This is the first time. Chirp Radio's live storytelling and music series recorded at Martyrs in Chicago's North Center neighborhood. Here's your host, Jen Sodini. All right, guys. Up next, we got a fine lady named Ellie Quintana. I don't know if you know Ellie. She is the... She is the talent buyer for Reggie's. She's also a storyteller. I've seen her uh, hilariously. Oh, she did my show. She did Psychotic Break. I do a show. I'm going to do my own plug. The first, first Wednesdays of the month at Shuba's. It's free. It's Chicago's, there are many, it's Chicago's premier mental illness-themed variety show. She is, um, like, she is, I mean, you've heard of Reggie's, a Chicago institution. Let's give it up. Ellie Quintana. All right, so the story I'm about to share isn't technically my first time on a stage, although it is my first time on stage for more than 30 seconds. I was living in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It was 1996. I was 20 years old, and like most 20-year-olds in that you know, region and era, I was living a life of absolute debauchery. <laughs> Cocaine, heroin, ecstasy, you know, trying to corrupt every boy and the occasional woman I could get my filthy hands on. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, this lifestyle did not do well with having a job. So I had a bunch of different jobs. I was a hot dog vendor once. Um, I sold furniture at Montgomery Ward, and that's when the living wage was three twenty-five an hour. Um, <laughs> I was even a skeezy receptionist at a massage parlor. And uh, once I, <laughs> this is so bad, I got fired from the easiest job on the planet. I was a concessions girl at a movie theater. And the very day I got fired, and I kid you not, me and my boyfriend were sitting around before my shift, and I literally said, only an asshole would get fired from a job like this. (laughs) A few hours later, the boss calls me into the office. Apparently, you're not supposed to do ecstasy at work and hit on the customers. (laughs) Whatever. So anyhow, that's when my friend, and we will call him Juan, who was also my heroin dealer, suggested, you know, he start fronting me some nice fat bags of heroin, and uh, I would sell some, and then pay him back, and then I'd have plenty for my enjoyment, for free, you know? It sounded like a pretty good deal, and it worked beautifully for a while. So uh, one night, some friends and I went to this guy Ernie's house in Ypsilanti. He was super annoying, because he was one of those preachy, uppity, vegan beer snobs who would take time out of his day, no matter what, to tell you how big of an asshole you were because you were consuming animal products. Uh, On the flip side, though, (laughs) Ernie was also a horrible crackhead. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So whatever, we're hanging out, about five of us take a bunch of acid. I left my backpack at Ernie's house. And we just went carousing around Ipsy, just being idiots. We're like moving people's furniture into different neighbors' yards, leaving weird threatening notes on doors about being mermaids lost at sea. Just like, (laughs) just stupid fucking shit. (laughs) 
that's when somebody's finally like, uh, where's Ernie? Ernie had disappeared. And, you know, we were actually concerned because we were tripping balls. We finally decided to go back to his place and look for him, and uh, he's not there. And that's when I notice my backpack is missing. In my backpack, I have about $300 worth of heroin, giant pile of cocaine, and a bunch more acid. And that's when I realized a motherfucking Ernie fucking vegan crackhead <laughs> stole my backpack and all my drugs for crack. <laughs> We decided, we're like, oh, whatever, it's cool. We're going to wait around here. We're going to wait him out. He'll be home. Next afternoon, he still wasn't home. And, you know, we had lives and more drugs to get and people to bang. So we had to go on our own way. But uh, so I called Juan to let him know, hey, I was robbed. And he just didn't believe me. He basically thought I was just another junkie, you know, trying to pull one over his eyes. And I was like, no, dude, 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 I'm going to pay you back. Like, I swear to God. And, of course, he didn't believe me. But, I mean, what's the saying? Always trust a junkie, right? (laughs) Maybe Maybe I made that up. I don't know. All right. So I started brainstorming. I'm like, what could I do? A 20-year-old dropout with absolutely no skills other than making bad decisions. What can I do to make a super fast amount of money in a very short time? And that's when it hit me. I'd go to Chicago. (laughs) The Windy City. The land of opportunity. (laughs) Two of my good friends from Ann Arbor had moved there about a year before. They'd both become strippers and would taunt me with tales of the easy money that lonely, pathetic men would stuff into their underpants. Obviously, this was the best course of action. Me, a girl who had never even spent a minute on stage, who had no dancing skills other than being a casual rump shaker or a mosher at a show. Becoming a stripper was clearly my only choice. (laughs) You know how most people have moving to Chicago stories like, oh, you know, I started school there, my dad got a job there, me and my boyfriend moved there. I'm not going to lie, I love to tell people my moving to Chicago story is I jumped on a Greyhound bus because I got robbed by a vegan crackhead and I had to pay back my Detroit drug dealer so he didn't kill me. (laughs) Yeah, my story's better than yours. (laughs) So the first day I get to Chicago, I go to the club. I was hired immediately. They didn't even care that I wasn't 21. He's like, how old are you? And I'm like, 20. And he's like, 21? Yeah, 21. All right. I wish I had more time to go in depth about the characters I worked with, because you would not. It was like Twin Peaks. It was so weird. Okay, so the manager, Charlie, who looks like the little guy from Carnival, if you guys know who I'm talking about. And I, I am not joking. So anyways... Charlie said I could start right away, but all I had were the clothes on my back and a backpack full of dirty heroin needles. So uh, the next day, my best friend Christina takes me shopping. (laughs) She loans me money for my first ever outfits, for my first ever night of stripping, in a strip club, not even really in Chicago, but in motherfucking Cicero. (laughs) I love you guys all know how disgusting that is. We didn't have to wear pasties there. We had full-on nipple action. Yeah. So, uh... (laughs) 
So, uh, you know, we went to Victoria's Secret. I'm a tall, shapeless, blonde chick with absolutely no tits, bleach blonde hair, punk rocker. I don't know what to get. So I buy, you know, some silky underpants and push-up bras, thinking that's going to make my glorified nipples look like maybe I have boobs. Um, anyways, Christina loans me some actual outfits, though. Outfits like a NASCAR lady driver. <laughs> Apparently that was a big hit there. Uh, another one was this crazy rubber, like, tube dress where you had to baby powder your body before you put it on because if you didn't, when you took it off, it pulled hairs off you that you did not know existed. It's horrifying, but it looked kind of cool. <laughs> there was, it, basically, the outfits were a lot of vinyl and not a lot of other material. So, my first night. I'm scared shitless, of course, so... I sit back, I'm a good bullshitter, I'm like, I'm gonna watch these chicks dance and I'm just gonna emulate what they do. <laughs> After a few hours, the manager says it's time for me to get on stage. Of course, I'd done a mountain of cocaine. I drank a ton of whiskey and snorted some top-notch 90s heroin. That's back when you get the good shit at Augusta and Rockwell. Now they got all these like fucking Bob baby strollers and shit. You can't get anything good there now. I hear, I hear. <laughs> I was ready to go. I'd selected three songs. Unfortunately, I only remember one, and it was the R. Kelly classic, You Remind Me of My Jeep. (laughs) Yeah, don't worry, that's not going to be the song. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, so the general rundown when I watch the show seemed to be Song one, come out, dance all slow, rub your butt against the mirrors, bend over a lot, grab poles, arch back, you know, do some twirls. I was like, hell yeah, I got this. I got on stage. It was dark. Lights were in my eyes, bouncing off the mirrors, which was even creepier. There were like 12 grimy dudes. It was, uh, it was a matinee hour. So that was the hour when men would come after work to get some titty action before going home to their families. All right, song one. I awkwardly start walking down the bar, stage. This is where I pull out the microphone. (laughs) Start walking down the bar, stage, in the highest heels I've ever worn in my life. Then I decide it might be hot if I hang on to the mirror. But in reality, it's because I'm about to fall on my ass. Not good. (laughs) I do some swivels and shimmies. I do some bending over. And then I slowly... Take my top off. Yeah, it came off. Song two. At this point, people just don't look turned on. (laughs) (laughs) They look bored. So, I grab the pole. Decide that even though I've never danced with the pole, I could do it. I could pull it off. God damn it, I'm Ellie. I can do anything. And I've done a ton of drugs. So, (laughs) yeah, this is going to happen. But I do. I put my hands around the pole. (laughs) I lift up one leg, and I do a lean back, which I'm not going to attempt now because I'm 20 years older. (laughs) But I actually, I did it. You know, it it was good. So then, you know, I dance around a little more, whatever, and then off comes a bra. My tiny tatas are exposed to the world. Song number three. This is where my confidence really starts to shine. (laughs) 
I drop my short skirt. I'm wearing teal blue silk panties. I'm doing my dancing, walking along, hanging on the mirror. <laughs> Suddenly notice two customers talking to each other, pointing at me, bursting into laughter. I try to shake it off, but you know, I can't. It's bad. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm not paying attention. They can't be talking about me, but they're clearly laughing at me. So I go to grab a pole in front of another customer at the other end of the bar, and I go to grab it and do my lean back. I miss the pole. I fall backwards, just wasted, right inches in front of the customer's face. My ass hits the ground like a bowl full of jelly, like blah, 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 blah. It was so fucking bad. And I was so humiliated. I just got up and I ran off the stage. I didn't even grab my clothes. I, the song was halfway through, you know, didn't matter. I run upstairs. <laughs> I wish I could tell you about the upstairs, but we don't have enough time. You would think strippers are so gross. So um, I get up there and I'm almost in tears. I'm doing more blow. I'm like, oh, I can't do this again. And Christina, my best friend, comes up and she's like, uh, Ellie? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, did you trim your pubes? <laughs> I'm clueless. I'm like, what? No. Why? <laughs> All right, if you look at me, I have dark hair, but that's because I diet. My entire body, I'm covered in weird, creepy blonde hair. I have to draw my eyebrows in. Like, it's gross. My eyelashes, I just look like, I don't know, powder. <laughs> For some reason, though, when the gods put me together, they apparently gave me the bush of an Italian woman. No offense to any Italians out there. You know you got a lot of hair. Right, Jen? Right, Jen. <laughs> so apparently, when I drop my skirt, mounds of dark, curly, thick, of course, because I have nice, thick hair, pubic hair was hanging out the sides of my delicate pretty underpants. <laughs> At the time, realizing my mistake, of course, I was horrified. I did some shaving, worked another week, discovered the misery of ingrown hairs and ass pimples from sweat from fake leather bar stools. But I sent the money to my drug dealer in Detroit, and I decided to stay in Chicago. Everyone back home was astonished. Well, that's one stand-up junkie. <laughs> I paid my dealer back, and I did it the old-fashioned way, the really old-fashioned way, by objectifying my body. <laughs> Times have definitely changed. I've actually been clean off heroin for almost 20 years. It's just you. Simple accidental manslaughter charge changes a lot of ways you think about life. I now have a three-time weekly routine to keep my hairy lady parts in check because I find guys are more willing to dive in with their mouths when it doesn't feel like they're making out with a member of ZZ Top. <laughs> I stripped for quite a while. It wasn't so bad towards the end. I'd actually made some lifelong friends, and I'm not going to lie, there's someone in this room right now <clears throat> who actually saw me in that area, and we're friends to this day. I won't name any names, but his last name may be a color. <laughs> so, lifelong friends. I quit when I started dating a Colombian drug lord who was also one of my customers. Someday you have to hear that story because it's like a movie. There's literally drugs, 
guns, explosions. I've held a million dollars cash in my hands. I can't even begin to tell you. So yeah, watch for my name in the future on other shows. For the past 17 years, I've been booking bands in Chicago. I typically put people on stage and try to stay off it. I have a six-year-old daughter who's the light of my life. And I have an amazing boyfriend who's totally cool with the fact that I was a junkie slut because he was a junkie slut too. And that's my story. listening to a Chirp Radio podcast of our live storytelling and music series, The First Time. Our storyteller was Ellie Quintana, and The First Time, too, performed Teenage Whore by Hole. 
The first time, too, is Liam Davis and Gerald Dowd. To hear more first-time pieces, check out the series' website, firsttime.chirpradio.org. And you can find other podcasts produced by the station at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. Chirp Radio, hear what's next. <laughs>